This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. March Madness certainly extends beyond basketball and hockey. So much going on with the Vikings, which we will touch on here in Scoop Podcast episode 132. We'll also have longtime friend of the podcast from the Timberwolves, Jamal Crawford on at some point. Plus, I have some twins notes. Is there a chance Byron Buxton signs an extension before opening day? I have that answer, plus some other tips bits but we will start with the vikings but before we get to the vikings i am super pumped i'm always super pumped to bring aboard a new sponsor but in this case i'm super super pumped because next week i'm going to the mall of america to a new store indochino to get fit for a customized suit indochino is online or at the mall of america online indochino.com i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o They put an ugly guy like me on TV. I'm on Channel 5, but I oftentimes look at least somewhat presentable. At least that's what my wife says. Maybe she's lying to me. Nobody would fault her if she was lying to me, but she says I look somewhat presentable. My mom says the same thing. My boys say the same thing. It's oftentimes because I'm wearing a nice suit. I now will have a fantastic suit once I get my suit at Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to match your exact measurements. It is a tremendous fit. And guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and the option to personalize all the details, including the lining, the monogram, whatever you want. They will customize it to your liking. Here's how it works. You visit the showroom at the Mall of America or you go to Indochino.com. You pick your fabric. You choose your customizations. You submit your measurements. And then you wait for your custom suit to arrive in just a few weeks. And for listeners of the Scoop podcast, if you use the code at checkout, SCOOP, the code is SCOOP, you get any premium Indochino suit for just $379. That is 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com or visit the showroom at Mall of America. Again, $379 for any premium Indochino suit. That is one heck of a deal. 50% off a premium suit from Indochino. Again, the website Indochino.com. Let's start with the Vikings, the most up-to-date Vikings information. General Manager Rick Spielman on Wednesday. We are taping this podcast episode 132. On Wednesday evening, Rick Spielman earlier today was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for the Alabama Pro Day. J.C. Hassenauer, by the way, of Eastridge High School. J.C. Hassenauer started for Alabama at guard in the national championship game. Was very much a sixth man type, a swing offensive lineman for his four years at Alabama. But he played in a handful of games. J.C. did not get an invite to the Combine, but he did very well at Pro Day. Somebody close to J.C. passed along some numbers. They are very comparable, in fact, better than what Pat Elfline did at his Ohio State Pro Day a year ago. Now, Pat played all those games at Ohio State, so J.C. doesn't have quite the game experience of Pat Elfline, but you think about Pat, excellent rookie year, such a bright future. I mean, he can be the Viking center for the next, what, 8 to 10 to 12 years, a Matt Burke-like career. J.C. Hassenauer should make some NFL roster, even if he doesn't get drafted. Here are the numbers of J.C. Hassenauer's 
Pro Day, a 5-1-5-40, although with an offensive lineman, who cares about the 40? He did 28 bench press reps. You think about Frank Ragnow. Now, Frank can do 30 or 35 on a good day. He'll do that many at his March 26th Pro Day, Frank from Chanhassen High School. But Frank at the Combine did not do 28 reps. So J.C. Hassenauer, 28 reps of 225 pounds, a 4-5-3 20-yard shuttle, a 7-6-8 three-cone. He met with a number of teams. Yes, the Vikings are interested in J.C. Hassenauer. So J.C. Hassenauer, local guy, had a very good pro day on Wednesday, his Alabama Pro Day. Also, the Vikings had a scout. They were represented at Colorado's Pro Day on Wednesday in Boulder, Colorado. Also at that Pro Day, Mike McCartney. He is the agent for one, Kirk Cousins. The Vikings will start having legal contact with Mike on Monday. Yes, the Vikings are very much in the Kirk Cousins mix, but here's what I can tell you. Any leak you see, you see a report from Jason Lock and Four, or you see a report from You Name the Reporter, I would be hesitant to say that it's coming from a firsthand source. All the agent will say at this point, Mike McCartney, is no team has been eliminated. So you saw the Jason Lock and Four report. He's a good reporter for CBS, but I don't know why he would say that it's down to just the Jets and the Vikings. By no means has Kirk Cousins, as we sit here and tape this on the 7th of March, by no means has Cousins eliminated the Denver Broncos. Now, ultimately, he may end up with the Vikings or the Jets, but I'm just telling you, that is all the agent is willing to offer up, and it makes logical sense. No team has been eliminated at this point. As for whether a leak could have originated from the Vikings, the answer is no. Rick Spielman, the Monday before the entire staff left for Indianapolis, warned his staff that they check cell phones, they check work computers, they check emails. The Vikings are all about tracking down leaks. Not that they don't occasionally leak information, but they don't want anything leaked out right now. Then in Indianapolis... Rick Spielman once again warned his staff about not leaking out information. So I can promise you, I would be shocked if anybody with the Vikings, you name anybody in that front office or that coaching staff, I would be shocked if they are leaking information right now. Now, is it possible an agent who knows Mike McCartney might be leaking something or some other team? But again, that would be either secondhand or thirdhand. But connecting some logical dots, yes, I do believe the Vikings are in on Kirk Cousins. I do believe ownership as much as anyone. I think Rick Spielman is a fan of Kirk Cousins. But let's start with ownership. The Wilfs have all sorts of interest in Kirk Cousins. By the way, another Midwestern connection to Kirk Cousins. His longtime trainer is based in the 715 area code, Wausau, Wisconsin. So Kirk Cousins has all sorts of connections to the Midwest. Michigan guy. Played in the Big Ten, trainer in Wisconsin, all sorts of friends in Wisconsin, has connections here in the Twin Cities. So, yes, connecting logical dots, wants to play for a winner, and he's a Midwestern guy. The Vikings can offer a good amount of money. I don't think they'll offer the most, but if he's not all about the most expensive contract, the richest contract, he knows he's going to make a lot of money regardless, then the Vikings make a lot of sense. But, again, everything will ramp up. Early next week, I will say for a much deeper dive on Kirk Cousins, on Case Keenum, on the Vikings, check out Scoop Podcast episode 131. I taped it on Monday with Sage Rosenfels, the former Vikings quarterback, and Ben Hartsock, former NFL tight end, played in the NFL for 10 years. But the beauty of Ben, he used to be an agent at Priority Sports. That's where Mike McCartney works. Ben's agent when he was a player was Mike McCartney. Heck, Sage Rosenfels was represented when he was a player 
by Priority Sports. Mike did some marketing deals for Sage. So Sage Rosenfels and Ben Hartsock offered up unique insight on Kirk Cousins' agent on Scoop Podcast episode 131. Some other Vikings notes. Signs point to them losing Jarek McKinnon. Jarek had upwards of 20 teams expressing some level of interest in him at the Combine. Teams that are in on Deion Lewis are in on Jarek McKinnon. Maybe Deion Lewis ends up with the Raiders. So let's say he ends up with the Raiders. That means the 49ers, the Titans, the Colts. Others miss on Lewis. Those teams would have interest in McKinnon. Also, Pat Shermer thinks the world of Jarek McKinnon. So keep an eye on the New York Giants. So it is hard to see Jarek McKinnon remaining in purple, remaining with the Vikings with that many teams coming after him, especially if the Vikings go all in on Kirk Cousins. What will be the fallout if you pay Kirk Cousins all that money? I do believe among the fallout, notes would be losing McKinnon. Also, Tom Johnson. Signs point to Tom Johnson. Not many three-technique defensive tackles on the market. Signs point to Tom Johnson leaving the Vikings. On Marcus Sherrills, there is mutual interest. I think in the end, the hometown guy ends up staying with the Vikings. But remember a couple years ago, the Jets made Sherrills a very nice offer. Is it possible the Jets come after Sherrills again? The Sherrills camp has been told by the Vikings, hang tight. We need to figure out the quarterback position first, then we will circle back to you. As of right now, I can tell you I checked with somebody with the Vikings. They are willing to share this general bit of information. As of today, Wednesday, March 7th, the Vikings have $52 million in cap space to work with. Now, they could create more. Do they do something with Jarius Wright's contract? Do they do something with Kyle Rudolph's contract? Do they do something with Latavius Murray's contract? As of now, Murray's cap number for 2018 would put him among the top five to seven running backs in the game. He is a good player, but do you want his cap hit to be that significant? March 16th is the magical date to keep an eye on with Murray. Sure, I can see Murray back with the Vikings, but I'm not quite sure I see him back at his current 2018 number. But certainly there would be interest in retaining Murray if McKinnon leaves. If McKinnon commits to a team on, let's say, March 14th, March 15th, heading into March 16th, the Vikings would then know, okay, we lost McKinnon. You can always draft a running back. You can find a running back middle rounds. But at that point, it would make some sense to have some protection with Dalvin Cook coming off the torn ACL. By the way, on Cook, he is doing phenomenally. I am told he is doing incredibly well in his rehab. There are not any concerns right now with Cook coming off that ACL. The Vikings are among many teams with interest in the best tight end available. Well, depending on what you think of Jimmy Graham, but Trey Burton certainly looks like the best free agent tight end available. Played in Philadelphia with John D. Filippo as the quarterback's coach of the new Vikings offensive coordinator. Has intimate knowledge of Burton. Yes, the Vikings are interested in Burton, but if you sign Kirk Cousins, it will be incredibly hard to get Trey Burton. Back to Frank Ragnar. I think I forgot to mention that he met with 23 teams formally at the Combine. And recall, I mentioned this on the podcast on Monday. His first formal interview at the Combine was with the hometown Vikings. The Vikings also, in turn, their first formal interview at the Combine this year was with Frank Ragnow. The Vikings met formally with a number of players, also Billy Price, the offensive lineman from Ohio State, a linebacker from BYU, Fred Warner, a linebacker from Georgia, Lorenzo Carter, a wide receiver from Florida, Antonio Callaway. Now, I need to offer up one correction, one update, however you want to term it, from Scoop Podcast episode 131. 
The Vikings did meet with SMU wide receiver Cortland Sutton, but it was an informal interview, not a formal interview. Informal, they shuffle through sort of a large conference room, and it's different folks with the team. It's not always the owner or the general manager or the head coach. A formal interview is done in the team's suite. You always have, whether the owner is there or not, but the owner is there for formal interviews if he's in town. Certainly the general manager, the assistant general manager, the head coach, the bigwigs are in the room for formal interviews. So there is a difference between the formal interviews at the Combine and the informal interviews. But the Vikings did meet with Cortland Sutton in Indianapolis. And a reminder, as I'm going strong here on the Vikings, I did mention this in Scoop Podcast 131, episode 131. But a reminder, Jake Weinecke, Maple Grove High School, South Dakota State University wide receiver. He did meet with Vikings wide receivers coach Daryl Hazel, the former Purdue head coach, informally in Indianapolis. All right, let's get to the Wolves. Heard an interesting note the other day. This is forefront of my mind with the Boston Celtics in town. They practiced at Target Center on Wednesday. They play the Wolves on Thursday night on national TV. That Tom Thibodeau tried hard to get Mike Zarin, the Celtics assistant general manager, to join him here with Minnesota. Mike has had a number of general manager opportunities over the years, but he's a Boston guy. He loves being there in his hometown, so it's hard to yank him away from the Celtics. But I do know that Tom Thibodeau has a real healthy opinion of Mike Zarin's work, but certainly he has a great relationship with his current general manager, Scott Layden. In fact, my colleague, my boss, Joe Schmidt, sat down with Tom Thibodeau for a lengthy interview earlier this week It will air on Channel 5 on Sunday night at 10.45. The Wolves play on Channel 5 on ABC on Sunday afternoon against Golden State. So Joe sat down with Tibbs, talked to him for a while. Tibbs said, hey, when he needs to unleash, you know, heck, there's a lot of people that go to him as a sounding board. But when he needs to go to somebody for whatever, advice, just to unleash thoughts, it is generally Scott Layden, Scott Layden before anybody else. So that is Tibbs's right-hand man, but I did want to note his love for Mike Zarin, who works for the Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving is in for Thursday's game. He missed the Celtics game earlier this week against the Bulls with a knee injury, but he declared to reporters on Wednesday afternoon he will play on Thursday night. I do know the Wolves are working with the league to attempt for next year to solve all the miles that they have traveled. Now, it's hard when you are the easternmost Western Conference team, but the Wolves have broken it down. They have done numerous internal studies on the travel that they have undergone this year. You think about a back-to-back earlier in the season. They went from Atlanta to Toronto. The Wolves have mapped it out that they have actually traveled more miles in back-to-back situations than any other team. So the Wolves are working with the league to attempt to solve that issue. You won't be able to solve all of it when you are the easternmost Western Conference team, but I do know the Wolves are working with the league to solve it somewhat. They just feel like the travel has gotten to them more than any other team this year. So this break, this current break, what, six days between games, they last played on Friday against Utah, has been incredibly good for them. Even though players like the routine of playing every other day, having this nice break, they have an upcoming three- or four-day break, it is a good thing this late in the season. Shabazz Muhammad gave up his player option to free himself from the Wolves. He signed with Milt Newton and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now the player option for next year was for the minimum, so Baz's camp pretty much figures at minimum next summer, they can always get another minimum deal. So giving up the player option for the minimum 
wasn't that big of a deal. Before we get to Jamal Crawford, I'm looking at some other notes I have. What else is worth getting into? The Wolves, by rule, have to get to a 14th man within, I think it's two weeks of the transaction with Shabazz when they went down to 13. Now, actually, they don't need to get to 14. I had a league source tell me they can always pay a fine. It's not a sizable fine, but they can pay some sort of fine at the end of the year if they don't add a player. I do know they've had all sorts of internal dialogue going back and forth. One day the indication is, yes, they will bring in a guy. The next day it is no. From what I can gather here, real-time update Wednesday afternoon is they don't plan on bringing in a guy. But I checked late last week. The word was they would bring in a guy. I do know they've turned down a number of guys. They had a chance to bring in Sean Kilpatrick. They told his camp no. Pondexter, who used to play for who? The Bulls, the Pelicans. I know his camp reached out to the Wolves. They said no. So they've said no to a number of guys. Andrew Bogut, who they had some interest in in the summer. So we'll wait and see. That is a fluid situation. It could change. Maybe Friday or Saturday they decide, hey, we will bring in some guy in a 10-day deal. But right now, signs point to no on that. The Wolves had a scout at the Summit League tourney in South Dakota. They have scouts scattered around the country with all the big conference tournaments this week. You know, ACC, Big 12, you have the Big East, and so on. So many guys to watch this time of the year. And you go to these venues and you can watch all these guys. I mean, all these teams are right there in one city. You think about Vegas with the Pac-12. Hockey Vegas also has the Mountain West. So they have their scouts out and about. It's a busy week for Wolf Scouts. All right, let's transition to one of the great friends of the podcast. It is Jamal Crawford. Jamal, always a pleasure to catch up. Let's start with... The event, the charitable event you were at last night, Gorgie Jang's event. Tell the audience about the event and how much fun you had. Well, it was unbelievable. It's, it's very honorable to see exactly what, what Gorgie is doing, uh, not only here, but in his home and in, in Senegal and, and all the things he's doing for kids. And it really is, it puts things in perspective. It's one of those things where you're like, you know what? Basketball is, is unbelievable and it's, it's everything, but there's so much more, you know, so much more stuff that's important. And seeing those kids who uh, are just trying to get food, a good a good meal, or a good place to stay, and seeing him work with that, his foundation work with that, was inspiring. So I had a good time last night. Cat stopped by, Wiggins stopped by, uh, Ryan Saunders, you know, a bunch of people from the organization. So it was really good. Very cool. Now, did I see on Twitter it's your dad's birthday today? Yeah, it is. Sixty-seven. Wow, that's one heck yeah. of a run. That is a heck of a run. He looks very, very young. And it's funny when I put the picture out there, people were commenting on that, saying that. Like, man, he looked, they, I didn't say his age. It's like, he looks young. If I was told him he was 67, it, would, uh, it blew their mind. What sort of impact did he have on you growing up, Jamal? I mean, are you where you are today basketball-wise without your dad? No, no doubt. No doubt. He, he was the reason I started playing basketball. He put a basketball in my hands at that. Uh, early age, uh, a lot of people don't know that he actually played with Kevin Love's dad at the University of Oregon. Oh wow! So he was a yeah, so he was a really good player and uh, had a chance to play professional. Had some injuries, so he ended up going overseas and stuff. But you know, it sparked my love for the game. That's for sure. Speaking of Kevin Love, did you have a chance to read his piece on the Players Tribune? I saw. You know what? I saw bits and pieces of it, but I didn't see the whole thing. But you, you know how much courage that takes, especially in these times where everybody's judging everything and everybody has a voice and social media is so prominent to put yourself out there and really be vulnerable and open yourself up. I definitely have to read that, but I saw parts of it and it was, it was really, really cool to see. 
And then did you hear about DeMar DeRozan, what he put out there a week or so ago, some of his battles? Yeah, same thing, same type of thing. I didn't read his article either, but I've seen bits and pieces on who's typing. Now I definitely want to go back and read both those guys. And it's, it's amazing because you think, you know, these athletes are on top of the world. And, and in a sense, we are. We have a very, very, very good life, but we still have go through the trials and tribulations of life. And for them to open up and to be out there, I thought was really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think it humanizes you guys, right, Jamal? Yeah, I mean, even you doing things does. like this, not to suggest that this podcast is is a big deal, but but the way you interact with fans on Twitter, it just it humanizes you guys because I think there's this perception by some that you guys as athletes are these robots, you're these machines, but you are human and you have problems just like everybody else. Oh, we're human first. And I, I think uh, people who don't look at it that way, when they hear stories about, you know, DeRozan and Kevin and things like that, it puts everything in perspective. And you're right, it kind of humanizes it. And that, I think that's good to see because we're we're so far from perfect. I mean, obviously, we're pretty good at what we do. And, uh, you know, it gets a lot of attention. But we're humans just like everybody else. All right, let's talk on the court. Do you like this layoff? I mean, this is... This is atypical. I can't recall in years past a six-day layoff, a six-day gap between games. Me neither, but that shows how many games we have played ahead of everybody else, you know, to have this kind of gap. And then I think we have another one that's maybe a few days, not quite as long, but still, you know, you're getting these long breaks in between. I'm not sure I've ever seen as many as we've had in the season, but it shows we played a lot of games early and, you know, everybody else is kind of catching up a little bit. Is it a good thing or a bad thing or indifferent? Uh, it's a different it's a different thing because you're just not used to it. You know, to go five or six days. Like our last game was Utah. You know, that was a it feels like forever ago. You know, we had a couple of days off and we had some really good practices, uh, and then we'll be back at it tomorrow. I mean it's not just, you know, all the games you guys have played, it's also the miles you guys have traveled. I had somebody with the team tell me that they've been doing all these internal studies about all the miles that you guys have traveled. Now, there's only so much you can do about that when you are, I guess, you guys would be the, what, the, the easternmost Western Conference team. So you're going to battle some yeah. of that. But even on, like, some of the back-to-backs. Like, I remember earlier in the year, you play in Atlanta one night, then you guys had to play in Toronto the next night. There have been some back-to-back situations that really seem unfair. Even last week, I mean, by the time you guys got out of Portland, then you play in Utah the next night, and you end up losing an hour. You go from the Pacific time zone to the mountain time zone. That just seems unfair to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. This is one of the toughest schedules I've seen or dealt with in 18 years, that's for sure. Uh, you know, and, and everybody has the same amount of games, but it just seems like uh, we took a, a different road, I guess, less travel to get to those games. But at this point, we can't do anything but try to win every single one of them play. Let's do some self-evaluation. I'd like to hear from you. How would you evaluate your year so far? Oh, good question. I haven't done that yet. I usually do it at the end of the season uh, because, you know, we're kind of still in the in the stretch run. But I think I've been okay. You know, I think uh, there's been good moments. There's been bad moments. But overall, I think it's more about, for me personally, it's more about the team and how the team is doing. And so I feel like we're doing good, especially considering where we are right now and, and losing uh, our best player, you know, and, and just trying to continue to hold down the fort. Overall, I think I've been okay. When you say bad moments, how do you define bad moment? Uh, just you know, I think go through the season with these games you you think you should have won that you you probably lost. Uh, you've had a couple of those, and I'm sure every team could say that, you know. But for us personally, since we're just talking about us, you always was like, man, I wish we would have did this, or maybe we let one go there. So that's what I mean by bad moments. How about minutes wise? Are you happy with the way your minutes have evolved as the season has gone on? 
I have stopped thinking about it, to be honest with you. Like, I just try to make the best of whatever it is, you know, and, and, and obviously, you know, everybody wants to play as much as they possibly can. But for me, uh, I didn't even think about it. Now it's just it's all about just trying to get wins and, and figuring out that, that part of it, and the rest will take care of itself. I'm looking at three-point attempts. So through 64 games, you have attempted, I'm looking at it right now, 247 three-pointers. Did you think that's what the number would be through 64 games, give or take? Uh, good question. That's a really good question. It, it depends. Like, obviously, I know how how big a weapon the three the three ball is, so I try to get them up. But you wanna you wanna get the right ones up. And sometimes, you know, I'll take some or I'll get some with you know less than five seconds left. I wonder what I shot without the five second or less threes. But yeah, I try to get them up. But I want to be cognizant of you know not just living and dying by a three ball. So not sure about that number. How about the craziness of the playoff race? I mean, one day, I mean, like in the last five or six days, Jamal, you guys go from third to fourth, like back to third, then to fifth. I think right now as we talk here, you're in sixth place in the Western Conference. Right. Yeah, and it's crazy. and It'll change. You know what? It'll continue to change up until, I bet, the last day or right before. I remember when I was with L.A. uh, like four years ago, three or four years ago, we played San Antonio in the first round. We didn't know. We know we were both in the playoffs. We didn't know who we were playing literally until the last day of the season. It was so many different scenarios. Like, okay, well, if they win, we play them. If these guys win, we play them. So it was so many different scenarios. Man, you just got to be ready and be prepared and control what you can control. And I think at the end, it'll work out how it's supposed to. All right, you can't control this, but if you could, who would you like to play in the first round? Uh, Actually, I wouldn't care. I really wouldn't care. I just feel like when we're right and healthy, we can play against anybody. I've seen us do it. You know, and obviously there's been teams that even when we were fully healthy, uh, they got the best of us. But I just feel like at that time of the year and, and we play against somebody and we're locked in and we're playing against them, you know, potentially seven times. And I know Tibbs, the way he would have us prepared, guys who have been through those wars, uh, I, would, I would feel good going against anybody. Even Houston? Even Houston. I mean, they're, they're, they're playing incredible. And I saw a crazy stat about them. I think they're like 36. Five and one with Capella, Chris Paul, and Hart. Mm-hmm. They've been just about unbeatable. But you know what? All three games that we played them were exactly the same. Really, really close. Went down to it, and then they separated towards the end. But we had our chances. So yeah, I just feel good against anybody. I mean, they just they make so many threes, right? I mean, and you guys just don't do that. So simple math. If they're making that many threes, I just don't know how you would win in a in a seven game series. Yeah, well, I think there's there's more than one way. In the playoffs, the game slows down tremendously. Like, it's not just up and down, get up and down. Every possession is is priceless. So you just don't know if a team is going to continue to to play that style in the playoffs. I'm not saying they won't, but they may be just like, you know what, we got to value this possession a little bit more, you know, because we're not getting up and down as fast. So the possessions mean a little bit more. You just never know what's going on. But for us, it's not about, for us, it's not about Houston because it could be anybody. It's just more about what we're doing. How often do the playoffs come up? Like, do you talk to Wiggins, Tyus, Towns, guys that haven't played in the playoffs before about what this grind is, this push is to get into the playoffs, and what the playoffs are like? Oh, we've had the conversation all year, to be honest with you. Like, just just along the lines of what it's like. You know, not about anything else. Like, how much fun it would be, how how intense things are, how every possession means something, how uh, every fan of anything is watching the playoffs. Even if they're not a basketball fan, they may miss the whole regular season with the playoffs come. It's almost like the March Madness. You know, you may see a team that you haven't seen all year, but you see them in a tournament, you're like, hey, I like that team. You may mm-hmm. watch them and follow their run the rest of the way. So, yeah, it's just how, how much fun it is. and, and it's, it's for the, the best players and best teams. 
How's Jimmy Butler doing? He's doing as good as he possibly can without basketball. He loves basketball so much that I know it's killing him, you know, just to be honest with you, because he loves it. He loves the game so, so much. But uh, he's getting right and getting healthy. And, and, you know, I think when you have that positive energy, you heal, you know, a little bit better, a little bit faster. Yeah, I mean, I would think, if anything, the training staff has to hold him back. Like, with his work ethic, I would think you have to, you have to corral him in at times because he, just, he wants to work so hard. Yeah, he's such a hard worker. He's a tireless worker, you know, and it, it's unbelievable. But I miss that guy so much. I text him every single day, just let him know that, because even more than on the court, off the court, our, our, like our, our, the way we, we go about things, the way we, you know, just seeing him, cracking jokes with him, getting on him, him getting on me, saying well, I need to do better, or whatever it could be, Just I just miss that camaraderie. Do you think, I don't know if Tibbs would play him because he's a rookie and it's this late in the season, but do you think Justin Patton could help you guys? Well, I, honestly, I think a lot of our guys can help, and I think they'll get the opportunity to. You know, if you would have asked me about Marcus before he was playing that stretch, I would have been like, he could help. You know, and I think, but Tibbs keeps everybody sharp. You know, we're all in the best of shape. We all work together. We all are confident in each other's abilities. So at some point, we're going to need every single person. And when you have good teams and good organizations, that's just the way it is. You need everybody, no matter how big or how small their load is, you need everybody. And, and no doubt, you know, Justin will be a guy that will need it at some point. I mean, frankly, I think Cole Aldrich could help you guys. You know Cole incredibly well from, from your time together with the Clippers. You mean to tell me when you're playing a team like Utah that Cole Aldrich couldn't give you guys a good seven to ten minutes? Oh, I love Cole. I love playing with him in, in, in L.A. And when he started playing, because he wasn't playing the first half of the season, and when he started playing, he our second unit took off, and, and essentially our team took off in L.A. because he was a guy that was rolling every single time, had a high IQ, uh, played the game the right way. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Cole, you know, but Tibbs, uh, you know, he has his rotation at this point in the season. He, we've we've had a lot of success, and, you know, you just hope. I know for whatever reason, if Cole's name is called, he'll be ready. How crazy was that game Friday in Utah? I mean, you think about Kane Fitzgerald, what the heck was he doing, tossing Carl Anthony Towns. You think about Jeff Teague, hip-checking, Ricky Rubio, him getting tossed. Heck, Ed Pinckney ending up on the ground. Rubio collides at the bench, and then all of a sudden Ed Pinckney is on the ground. Then Tibbs gets into an FU shouting match with Jay Crowder. I mean, that was that was a crazy game on Friday. That that was a lot going on. It definitely was. But you know what? That's how uh, the playoffs are, to be honest with you. It's a lot, and everything is uh, – you're emotionally vested in every single thing, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player – whether you're, you know, someone who works at the arena. Like, that's how it is. Because when you're in the playoffs, you feel like the whole city is going against you. It's not just you going against that team. You know what I mean? Especially on the on the away game. So, and the, you know, that's how it will be. Uh, God willing, we get in there. That's how it will be for when teams come here. You know, they'll feel like the whole state of Minnesota is going against them. And that's what makes it fun, though. It really does. And that's what makes it competitive. And, you know, players, coaches are indifferent. Everybody's competitive and has that juice there. Olivia, after this, do you think Cat is officiated like a star? The star that he is. I mean, he's an all-star. Do you think he's officiated like a star? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure because Cat, this is his first all-star game. You know, so he's still, and even more than individual success, I think a lot of people appreciate team success. And we're a team on the rise. We haven't arrived yet, so to speak. We're still rising. We're still climbing. You know, and he's still young in his career. So I think at, at, through time and through us getting better and better, you know, and, and not just like we just get calls because we'll be a better team, but, you know, referees or, or people are different. They respect you a little bit more and a little bit differently.
I hate to put the spotlight, I'll leave you after this, I lied. I hate to put the spotlight on just one game, but I feel like you almost need to win tomorrow night against Boston. Because if you don't, then you're looking at Golden State, then you're at Washington, then at San Antonio, then you've got the Rockets. I feel like if you can't win tomorrow night, it might be a lengthy losing streak. Yeah, I mean, but the thing about it, and that's what I've been really preaching to the guys, is that before when Jimmy went down, we knew that there was going to be highs and lows. I mean, you can't predict. Sometimes they'll be scheduled like games we're supposed to win that we lose. And there'll be times we're supposed to lose and we end up winning. Our, you know, uh, the experts think we lose and we end up winning. So with that, we just have to continue to move forward. You know, you don't want to say, hey, uh, we should lose or win this game. And then if we win the game, then lose the next two or three and then win and lose. And then, you know, you just go back. You can't. You can't uh, be on the emotional roller coaster of it. You just got to continue to keep your head down. And as long as you're moving in the right direction and you feel like your team is getting better, I think that's what's important. As we approach March 20th, your birthday, any big plans? <laughs> no big plans. No big plans for me. Uh, just, I think we have a game that day. Yeah, I think you do. Yeah. That. yeah, that may be the big plan. Well, the big plan would be to drop like 50 in that game, huh? No, no. <laughs> No, nah, the big plan is to win that game. If we win that game, I'll be a happy camper. I, I played on my birthday. I think I played on my birthday last year or the year before. So, yeah, as long as we win on that day, I'd be cool. Yeah, but you know what? How often does a guy drop 50 and that team loses? I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but you would think I've if you drop 50, 50 you're going to win. Yeah, I've, I've never dropped. I've seen it. I've, in the three times I've dropped 50, I've never lost. I can proudly say that. All right, so, okay, so then you would make it 4-0. Score 50 on yeah. March 20th on your birthday, and you guys win that game. Uh-oh, you got to speak it to existence. So, hey, you're, you're starting to set the sea right there. <laughs> Jamal, always appreciate the time. Always. Appreciate you, Dave. Wolves guard Jamal Crawford. We've had some fun conversations over the years. Got to know him, heck, before he played with the Wolves. Then he ends up signing here, and it was fantastic. So we try to get him on as often as we can while also being cognizant of his schedule. It's not like I can bug him on a weekly basis. So I try to space it out, but I always appreciate when he has time for the Scoop podcast. We'll certainly do something at the end of the year where he can reflect upon the entire season, what should be some sort of playoff run. Is that one series, two series? But the Wolves should still make the playoffs. The schedule certainly eases up after March 18th. They have enough winnable games. The Wolves absolutely should be in the playoffs for the first time in, what, 13, 14 seasons going back to the 3 04 season. So at that point, when we have him on, whenever that is, maybe we'll have him on even before the playoffs, but after the playoffs, that would be a good time to reflect upon the whole season and have him think about, at least talk about what he can publicly about the player option for next year. Does he have interest in staying with the Wolves or is he thinking about hitting the free agent market yet again? All right, let's get to the Twins. Tip of the hat to former, what, Reds, Nationals general manager now, Sirius Satellite XM host Jim Bowden for the initial steam on this over the weekend that the Twins and Byron Buxton's camp have engaged in contract extension talks. Here's where I can advance that note. No deal is even remotely close. Now, all it takes is one more phone call, one new offer. But as of right now, no deal is even remotely close. Close. Some of the parameters the Twins were tossing out just wouldn't make any sense whatsoever if you're Byron Buxton, if you're sacrificing a year of free agency or multiple years of free agency and giving the team all the power, all the control. So talks will continue. I would bet at some point the Twins do sign Byron Buxton to a long-term deal, that they don't go year to year through the arbitration process. But I can just tell you right now, 
No extension is even remotely close on the Byron Buxton front. The Twins have not engaged in extension talks with Max Kepler, J.O. Barrios, Miguel Sano, or Jorge Polanco to date. Nothing going on on the Brian Dozier contract front. Nothing going on on the Joe Maurer contract front. Both those guys entering the final years of their deal. A Miguel Sano decision should be handed down soon by Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. I'll continue to say, just from my own diligence, my own digging, I will be surprised if Miguel Sano is handed a lengthy suspension. Maybe he's handed a, what, I don't know, a game suspension, a three-game suspension. I will be shocked if it's something like 20 or 30 games. That's just based on what I can gather. I'm a broken record on this, but hey, it's still a talker as long as these guys are still in the market. The Twins are open to signing Another free agent pitcher, if that pitcher is willing to come at their price. They are not getting into any sort of bidding war. Now, I saw the Pioneer Press played catch-up on my initial steam on Lance Lynn that the Twins made. Lance Lynn, a two-year offer. I said a couple weeks ago it was in the $12 million-ish range. I should have put more emphasis on the ish because it was actually more than that. The Pioneer Press was able to advance the story saying it was two years, $20 million. I can now advance that report. It was actually a tick more than 220 not much more than 220 but regardless Lance Lynn is not interested in a two-year deal now he would be interested from what I can gather in a one-year deal plus a player option for the second year I'm not quite sure the twins are open to doing a one-year deal with Lynn because they would have to give up a draft pick to sign Lynn so do you want only one year of Lance Lynn while having to give up a pretty good draft pick certainly the twins value those draft picks especially after the draft class they had last summer so those are some of the things they discuss internally discuss with lynn's agent would they go to three years would lynn have interest in a three-year let's say 32 million dollar deal maybe at this point so i would keep an eye on lance lynn there's nothing going on with alex cop so it's pretty clear that lance lynn is number one on their board there is nothing going on with jake arietta so the fact that they've made lance lynn an offer That's the guy to keep an eye on. But last I checked, the Phillies had checked in on him. There's some other teams. No new steam on Lynn. But, again, all it takes is one phone call. We now know the Twins made a decent offer. Maybe not a great offer, but a decent offer for Lynn. So I would keep an eye on Lynn as long as he's on the open market. But at this point, I'm not quite sure I would bet on the Twins landing Lance Lynn. The Twins really aren't on any other free agent pitchers. I know many weeks ago there was a conversation about John Lackey. Heck, they went after CeCe Sabathia. They checked in on a number of pitchers. Jason Vargas, who went to the Mets. Lackey is still available, but there's no real steam from what I can gather. Trevor Cahill is a free agent. He actually has a history with new pitching coach Garvin Alston. I know Cahill's camp has been trying to push him to the Twins, but so far the Twins are not interested in Cahill. I'm looking at my notes. The Twins were not in on Ricky Nolasco, who signed a deal with the Royals on Wednesday. What else do I have on the baseball slash Twins front? The Twins had a couple scouts at U.S. Bank Stadium last weekend for the Dairy Queen Classic. The Gophers were in that deal. UCLA, Arizona, Washington, and a couple other Big Ten schools. I saw the note. Actually, I was texting with him. Mark Wilson, local scout, had his fingerprints all over the Joe Maurer draft pick, the Glenn Perkins draft pick. The Twins let him go in the last year. He has landed with Andy McPhail, Terry Ryan, and the Philadelphia Phillies. So really good guy. Happy to see Mark land on his feet. And I wish all the best to former Gopher from Moundsview High School, Seth Rosine. Seth announced on Twitter earlier this week that he's retiring from baseball. Pitched last year with the Saints. 
did make it to the major leagues. Seth Rosen can say he pitched in a major league game. That is one heck of an accomplishment. Had a great collegiate career and fought his way through the minors, tried to get back, and it just didn't work out. Spent some time in Twins camp last year on the minor league side, but that didn't work out. Ended up pitching well for the Saints. He can still throw at 93, 94 miles per hour, but Seth has decided to move on with his life. So we wish all the best to Seth Rosine. All right, let's wrap up with the Gophers. Spring practice is underway. I was catching up with a member of Quinn Carroll's family. He is the stud offensive lineman from Edina. Quinn Carroll and his dad will be at Gophers football spring practice on Thursday. He was also on campus last weekend for a big recruiting weekend. The Gophers had a number of recruits on campus. They even got a commitment from an offensive lineman from the state of Illinois. So twice in the span of, what, five days, Quinn Carroll on the Gophers campus. That is always a good thing. Quinn, by the way, narrowing his list on Wednesday. He is down to the Gophers, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Penn State. You have Ohio State and Virginia Tech. His older brother, Colin, played at Virginia Tech. The Penn State connection is Matt Limegrover. Matt Limegrover is the Penn State offensive line coach. He is the former Gophers offensive coordinator. We saw the unfortunate news or heard the unfortunate news on Tuesday about Shannon Brooks, Gophers running back, out for the entire season. He will take a red shirt and be back for the 2019 season. You still have your returning leading rusher, Rodney Smith, who has an NFL future. Rodney Smith is absolutely on the radar of NFL scouts. There was even a little bit of scuttlebutt of maybe him leaving early just to test the potential waters, get feedback from the NFL people, what sort of pick he could be. But he is back. Rodney Smith is back. That is great news for the Gophers. So you still have Rodney Smith, but it's still unfortunate that you lose a talented player in Shannon Brooks. Talented when healthy. He has dealt with a number of injuries, but certainly this one, the most significant. Brooks has told those close to him, some individuals, that he heard his knee pop in a recent workout. So it is a knee injury, a knee injury that will keep Brooks out for the entire 2018 season. On the Gopher basketball front, head coach Richard Patino in the last few days saw a recruit, point guard Courtney Ramy. Ramy. Hopefully I'm saying the last name correct. He is a point guard from St. Louis, originally a Louisville commit. He's got so many schools after him. Ohio State wants him. The Ohio State head coach was set to see him this week. South Carolina wants him. Frank Martin of South Carolina was set to see him this week. Texas wants him. Tennessee wants him. Illinois wants him. Missouri wants him. So that is a tough battle for the Gophers, but the Gophers are after a top 20, top 30 player in the class of 2018. They're also after a top 15, top 20 player in the class of 2018, Anthony Simons. He is the kid from IMG Academy. He, too, was once a Louisville commit, but much like Rami, he decommitted from Louisville after Rick Pitino was let go. And I would say this, NBA scouts keep telling me that they figure Simons will enter the draft. Being at a prep school, he's actually eligible for the 2018 NBA draft. I would say signs at this point still point to him entering his name into the 2018 NBA draft, presumably he will be a first-round pick, but he is still hearing from schools. He writes a blog for one of the websites, and he keeps saying that he's keeping his options open. He doesn't quite know what he will do. I just think it'll be hard to pass up the NBA. Even though he's young, even though maybe a year of college basketball would do him good, maybe multiple years of college basketball would do him good, I just don't know how you turn down being a first-round pick. But still, nonetheless, the Gophers, along with Tennessee, Florida, and others, continue to court 
Anthony Simons. As of now, the Gophers have just one open scholarship for next year. But I'll continue to say the Gophers have had a transfer going back many, many years. I still think there's a chance they have a transfer. If they do, I would keep an eye on Devontae Fitzgerald. He can be a graduate transfer. Not that Fitzgerald doesn't like it here, but he could play more minutes elsewhere. So if he can be eligible right away, and he can be as a graduate transfer, I just don't know why he wouldn't explore that option, getting more minutes somewhere else. Otherwise, signs point to everybody else being back. I've been asked a lot about Jordan Murphy, Amir Coffey, Isaiah Washington. I see those guys back next year with the Gophers. By the way, Richard Patino wrote a very telling blog on gophersports.com. He does a good job with those blogs. One thing that Richard Patino is, is transparent. He is very open to what went wrong this year. He listed ball movement. Last year, the Gophers had 260 assists in conference play. This year, that was down by 30 to 230. He cited defensive rebounding last year in conference. The Gophers had 512 defensive rebounds. This year, only 445. Certainly half-court defense when you look at the opposition. The opposition's field goal percentage and also getting to the free throw line. Last year, the Gophers shot a total of 403 free throws in conference. This year, they shot only 353 and scouting. Patino said, hey, we need to do a better job, my staff, me, of scouting our opponents. Certainly, we put a lot of effort into scouting our opponents, but we didn't do a good enough job when it came to scouting those opponents. He also wrote about each individual player. I won't go through each guy, but I guess most noteworthy is Dupree McBrayer. He will be shut down for the next couple months to see how the foot responds. He was dealing with an injury throughout the season. Patino calls McBrayer one of the toughest kids I have ever coached. On Amir Coffey, Patino doesn't note this, but I'm told he is doing well after that right shoulder surgery, but he still will be sidelined up to six months. That was a very serious surgery for Amir Coffey. On the transfer, the center, Stockman, the center, the big man from Louisville. Here's what Patino said. Matt's clearly has the size to compete at this level. Matt Stockman. Terrific passer out of the post. Playing time opportunities are there. It's a huge spring for Matt. So again, if you want to go through each individual, you can check out Patino's blog on gophersports.com. I'll leave you with a little love for the Gophers women's hockey team. I was at their practice on Wednesday. I had a chance to talk to Taylor Williamson. Edina's own, just an unbelievable ordeal that she has gone through, a neuromuscular disorder. She underwent brain surgery last summer, then came back, played in one game, then symptoms were still there. She just couldn't do it anymore. She couldn't play. There was a thought that her hockey career was over. Then she connected with Neil Sheehy. Yes, Neil Sheehy, the agent for Ryan Suter and a number of NHL players. Neil, through the Edina hockey community, got connected to Taylor He's got some treatment that has helped Taylor. She got her medication under control, and she scored the game-winning goal for the Gophers to clinch a spot in the eight-team NCAA tournament. She helped the Gophers beat Wisconsin last weekend. Her goal put the Gophers up 2-1. to one. They ended up winning 3-1. to one. So Taylor Williamson, an unbelievable story. I wrote about it. I put some video of her up on the KSTP website, the sports page, on KSTP.com. But I just wanted to give some love to Taylor Williamson. She was so well-spoken on Wednesday afternoon, taking us through, a few of us reporters, through everything that she had to go through. And you think about brain surgery, how serious brain surgery is. She thought, yeah, I will never play again. Yet here she is, Taylor Williamson, the pride 
of Edina. And Brad Frost was well-spoken to just talking about the inspiration that Taylor is for the team. The Gophers open up NCAA play Saturday at Wisconsin. It's a rematch. It's the sixth time the Badgers and Gophers will play. The winner gets a trip to Ritter Arena and the women's hockey Frozen Four. So we wish the Gophers all the best this weekend in the NCAA tournament. A reminder, check out Indochino at the Mall of America or online, Indochino.com. They make these great suits. Trust me, if you're into really nice suits, you can get one from Indochino for cheap, by the way, because you can use the promo code SCOOP, promo code SCOOP at checkout. Use it online. You put in all your measurements. You can get 50% off a really nice suit. You can get a nice suit for $379. So you think about, hey, you've got some big occasion this summer, maybe a wedding. You've got maybe a job interview, whatever it might be. You can always use a really nice suit. Like I've got some suits that I beat up that I know I can wear for whatever in the winter. If I'm outside for a stretch, it doesn't matter if they get dirty. I just, I've got my collection of crap suits. When I get my Indochino suit in the next few weeks, that will go to the front of my closet for special events. If there's a big sporting event, if I know I'm on TV on a big night, if I've got a wedding, maybe it's date night, whatever it might be, I've got that premier suit, that great suit. We all need one solid suit. We've got our beat-up suits. We all need a really good suit. So check out Indochino.com. We welcome them to the Scoop Podcast. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 132, recorded on Wednesday night, the 7th of March. A reminder, Scoop Podcast episode 131 was taped on Monday, the 5th of March. So much Kirk Cousins, Vikings talk with Sage Rosenfels and Ben Hartsock. Those guys have unique insight when it comes to Cousins and more specifically Cousins' agency, priority sports clearly the vikings will be in on cousins do i think a deal is done do i think chris cooley's report is accurate three years 91 million no i don't i think that is a bunch of bs thank you so much for listening that does it for scoop podcast episode 132